Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sean, for reading our scripture this morning. We start a new sermon series today. It's a new series called Journey to the Cross. This is our Lenten series. Lent is one of the many seasons in the church here. This one begins on Ash Wednesday, which was last Wednesday, and carries us through until Easter Sunday morning. It's about six weeks or 40 days. And our series will put us this year in the Gospel of Matthew for the whole of the series. The Gospel of Matthew is known as the teaching gospel. It's known as one of the oldest, uh, one of the most influential in the early life of the church. And we're excited to be in the Gospel of Matthew this series. We also want you to know that our series will begin in chapter 21. And it will go all the way through the end of the chapter. So hang with us together. We will walk with Jesus and journey with him as he today has the parade And then later is uh, teaching and then is praying in the garden and arrested and tried and tortured and killed and resurrected. We will see what Jesus does. We will hear what Jesus says. And we will walk beside him all of the way as we journey to the cross together. Would you pray with me? Holy, holy God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock, our refuge, our savior, our redeemer. And it is in your name that we pray, now and always, as all of God's people say, Amen. We'll start with a quote from Mark Twain. It ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. 
It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. In other words, it's better to understand a little than to misunderstand a lot. As misunderstandings can trip us up, especially when we are so certain we're right and cannot see when we're not. For instance, perhaps you've heard that old story about a famous children's sermon. Children's sermons are done in a lot of churches. I've done them in previous churches um, myself. It's when at some time early in the service, you invite all the children to come up and they gather around the pastor and we tell a story that connects to the meaning of the sermon that day. Well, on this particular day of this story, the children came up and gathered around the pastor and she said to them that I'm going to describe something to you. And when you know what it is, I want you to raise your hand and I'll call on you and you can tell me what it is. So she started out easy, right? This what I'm describing climbs trees and eats acorns and not a single hand. Although I saw one over there. (laughs) And then she kept giving them clues. She said, well, it's brown or gray and and it has a big bushy tail. And still not a single hand except the one over there. (laughs) And then she gave them more clues and she said, well, it moves really fast and jumps from branch to branch. And still none of the children put up their hands. Until one brave boy put his hand in the air and said, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds a lot like a squirrel. (laughs) It's not what you don't know that gets you into trouble, right? It's what you think you know for sure. (laughs) That just isn't so. Today's story is a poignant example of that. Like an example of a misunderstanding or a case of mistaken identity. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I invite you to get them out or maybe you use a Bible app. We're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew, the 21st chapter. This Gospel was written to a community of persons who were primarily Jewish. And that means that every time you see where something is fulfilled or it lifts up a verse from the Old Testament, the persons who Uh, for whom this book was written initially, would get all of those references and understand them. So that's important to know. Also, this gospel was written around 90 A.D. or C.E., about 55 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And the story that Sean read for us today is usually read on Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday right before Easter. So you may think I've lost my mind or lost my calendar at least, but we're going to start here with Palm Sunday today because we'll be studying through this Lenten series all of Holy Week and Holy Week starts with this story. And this story is itself a big misunderstanding or at least another case of mistaken identity. So in this text, these two stories, the parade and what happens at the temple happen on the same day and it's on a Monday. And this Gospel of Matthew is the only Gospel of the four that arranges the stories this way. Also, this is the only Gospel that has Jesus entering Jerusalem on not one but two animals. How does the story start? Jesus is entering Jerusalem for the very first time. And he tells two of his disciples to go to the village, find a donkey and a colt, and bring them to him. 
And then when you get to verses 4 and 5, it says this took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophets about a king who was humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's a direct quote of Zechariah from the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And Matthew's gospel says this is the saying that is being fulfilled. What does that mean? It means that Jesus fills full the meaning of that passage from Zechariah, which is a description of a coming ruler of God's people who would be a different kind of leader, a humble leader, a compassionate leader. The word humble there in Zechariah means someone in authority who does not lord it over others. Again, that passage is filled full in this presence of Jesus. A very large crowd gathers with some gathering in front of Jesus. Some are behind him. They are spreading their outer garments on the animals and on the road. They are spreading out olive tree branches, fig tree branches. No mention of palms here, though we call it Palm Sunday. Palms only show up in the Gospel of John. And the people start shouting. And what do they shout? They shout, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We're going to shout Hosanna. You want to try it? One, two, three. Hosanna. What does that mean? It means save us now. So we're going to shout that too. Save us now. Ready? One, two, three. Save us now. It means save us now. We ask you. And those words come from the Hallel Psalms. Again, from the Old Testament. These are psalms that the Jews would sing at Passover. That verse, the phrase, um, comes directly from Psalm 118, verse 26. The songs were sung in celebration of how God had delivered them from slavery in the land of Egypt and set them free. And they sing it now as God is setting them free in a whole new way that they don't yet understand. By the time we get to verse 10, Scripture says the whole city was in turmoil. That word turmoil comes from a Greek word meaning to shake or tremble. It's usually associated with an earthquake. So I think the symbolism in that, telling the story that way, is beautiful because it's like the ground is shaking. With Jesus entering Jerusalem, something is changing. Changing about the way we understand who we are. Changing about how we relate to God and how God is saving us in Jesus Christ. The foundations underneath them are shaking. That's beautiful. As they shout for Jesus to come and save them. Then I love this part. Some folks in the crowd seem like they're just kind of going along because why miss a good parade? Because out of one side of their mouths, they're shouting, Hosanna, save us. And out of the other side of their mouths, they're saying, uh, who is this? <laughs> it sounds very honest about what they don't know. What's going on in the story? Why is this parade considered a misunderstanding or a case of mistaken identity? Well, there's another parade taking place at the very same time. The governor, whose name is Pilate, is also entering the city of Jerusalem. He is likely on a war horse or a big steed with columns of soldiers and the cavalry. There's pomp and circumstance and splendor. It's ostentatious. It's meant to impress. 
because as tens of thousands of people gather for this celebration of Passover from all over, Pilate is coming to maintain law and order. His parade is a statement of power and empire and authority. Jesus' parade is vastly different. His parade is the statement of the power of sacrificial love. The crowd wants to be saved from the Roman Empire. They want a Messiah to come and topple it, to save them from it. But look at the contrast between the two parades. And the people will soon start to think that Jesus won't measure up. A leader on a great war horse in one parade versus a person straddling a donkey or two in the other. Columns of soldiers and horses in one parade versus peasants and branches in the other. The power of position in one parade versus the power of humility and gentleness in the other. Someone in authority who lords it over others versus someone in authority who does not. They shout, Hosanna, save us, we ask you, to this Jesus about whom they have heard so much. And they can already tell that he might not fit the bill like they want. It's like the little boy is in the parade crowd raising his hand saying the Messiah is supposed to be Jesus, right? But he sure does look and sound like something else. It's one of the reasons why the crowd will change its shout from Hosanna to crucify by the end of the week. And Jesus knows all that. And he comes anyway on that donkey or two because he loves them, because he loves us. Even if they don't understand, even if we don't understand, Jesus keeps being Jesus because that's why he's come, regardless of what the people think. It's interesting. The crowd misunderstands the power of Jesus, but the political authorities do not. And in entering Jerusalem this way and so many things that have happened in uh, the time that preceded it, Jesus has ticked off the political authorities. He's up to risky business. In the next story, Jesus manages to tick off the religious authorities too. When he goes to the temple that same day, he drives out people who are buying and selling sacrifices for worship and he turns over the tables of the money changers. He's not looking so humble now. He's taking charge in a small corner of the temple complex, which was huge. It was big, like think of six soccer fields glued together. It was a massive complex of courts and gates and buildings. Well, you may wonder why in the world were people buying sacrifices in the first place? Well, when you travel a long distance like that, you wouldn't have brought those animals along with you. So they'd get them when they arrived. Jesus is observing all that's taking place and he's upset about the injustices he observes in the system. 
And when he speaks, he combines two verses from the Old Testament again that people would recognize. Jeremiah 7, 11 and Isaiah 56, 7. The passage from Jeremiah comes from uh, the one about the den of robbers, comes from a section of scripture that was a critique of the temple leadership. And the temple leadership, you better believe, knew it. They knew from whence that verse had come. Jesus is ticking them off now, too. Again, the crowd misunderstands the power of Jesus, but the religious leaders do not. And Jesus keeps being Jesus. He turns over the tables anyway. He can't help himself, right? And then he starts healing people and including people who've been excluded from parts of worship in the temple, the blind, the lame, the children, the vulnerable. Jesus keeps being Jesus. Whether they, whether we understand him or not, thank God for that. He's up to risky business and he knows it. And he's putting his life willingly in danger and he knows it. And Jesus continues his risky business of inclusion and sacrificial love that will take him to the cross for every one of us. It's interesting. The people essentially cried out the right words to Jesus in the parade, right? Hosanna, save us. Which is exactly what Jesus was in the process of doing through his teaching and his life and his coming arrest and death and resurrection. Though the people didn't know what that would mean. They meant, Hosanna, save us from Rome. And Jesus meant to save them from sin. To save us from sin. To save us too from ourselves. To save us from our misunderstanding. So the crowd shouting crucify was essentially shouting the same thing as save us. Do you see? Because in the process, that's exactly what Jesus is doing as he gives himself up for each one of us to save us. Even though the people who were shouting the words didn't really understand all that either. They were trying to stop Jesus being Jesus and he kept right on anyway. Because that's what Jesus does. He can't help himself. Jesus loves us like that. And God's love is something that we will always have trouble understanding. Where do you see yourself in the story? Are you somewhere in the crowd? Maybe we're some of the folks who are saying, who is this? As we still try to understand Jesus more and more ourselves. Remember, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that really isn't so. It's better to understand a little about Jesus than to misunderstand a lot. Because those people in the story who thought they knew exactly what to do with Jesus or who they wanted to make him be for their agenda were the ones who were getting it wrong. And Jesus knew they would and still got on that donkey or two anyway and still continued ahead with the parade into the temple and on in the journey to the cross. Jesus keeps walking toward that cross for all of us, for every one of us, whether we get him or not, 
whether we understand him completely. He stays on the journey to the cross to save us all. To save us from our sin. To save us from ourselves. To save us because of ourselves. Because of our misunderstanding. Jesus keeps being Jesus. Thanks be to God. Giving us an opportunity to know God in a way that maybe we haven't before. As we begin to understand how much Jesus loves us all over again. So let's uh, join in the parade today. And shout Hosanna to the son of David. Save us Lord. Save us now. We ask you. Keep being Jesus. Amen. And amen.